the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits in the United States. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. And just remember, the time to set up a line of credit for your nonprofit is today, not when the emergency actually comes up. And considering that the, not, that the line of credit doesn't cost anything to set up, doesn't cost anything when it's not being used, and honestly is quite inexpensive when you need it, uh, it's, it's really a good idea to kind of get this ready to go just in case your nonprofit does need it. It is a very popular product for nonprofits, and we're excited that uh, we've been doing this for 12 years. So uh, Financing Solutions has been doing this for 12 years. I've been doing this podcast for four years, and this is my fourth year. So, uh, mm-hmm. And it's been just a fantastic podcast. It's the start of the new year. I think we've done about a little over 70 of these podcasts, but it might even be more than that. And um, they are just – if you could listen to every single one of these podcasts as an executive director or a board member or a, or a executive, I, you would just – I think things would just, you know, you would just find the podcast to be your main source uh, for great information because of the guests that I have, like our guest today, Chris Hammond. So, uh, so let me just uh, start off by, uh, you know, welcoming Chris Hammond from uh, Corporate Giving Solution. I'm sorry, Corporate Giving Connection. And Chris is the CEO and founder of Corporate Giving Connection, CGC. CGC is a full-service development, marketing, and corporate social responsibility consulting firm that focuses on strategic planning and implementation for nonprofit organizations and corporations. Chris has 12-plus years of event management and 9-plus years of nonprofit fundraising consultant, consulting and leadership experience. He holds a BA in political science and an MA in public policy and administration from California Lutheran University. Chris, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, well Chris is always excited because he lives in, uh, wait, you said Los Angeles, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. so right now, it's where I'm in, in New Jersey, it's uh, 14 degrees outside. So uh, I, I don't think it's 14 degrees in Los Angeles right now. No, is it? I think we might have a high of 70 degrees today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I do like to change the season, so I really don't mind it. Uh, I'm inside, so 14 degrees doesn't really make a difference to me. Um so, you know, today's topic, which, um, you know, I'm always excited. I love doing the podcast because I learn a lot. Okay. And um, so, you know, today's podcast is what is peer-to-peer fundraising for nonprofits? And it's something that I don't know a lot about. I don't think I've ever had. Um, uh, one of the reasons probably because I don't know a lot about it is because I don't think I've ever had a guest 
specifically talk about P2P uh, fundraising. So just to start off, Chris, let's get everybody on the same page. What is uh, peer-to-peer fundraising? Yeah, so peer-to-peer fundraising is simply put, um, just having uh, fundraisers ask their friends and family and colleagues for money on behalf of an organization. So I think most people are familiar with peer-to-peer fundraising um, through you know the run-walk model, um, where people will have a team, um, and then they'll put together a fundraising page, and then they're asking their friends, family, and colleagues to make a donation to their team, and then it goes into their um, overarching bucket for the for the actual event. So peer-to-peer had had typically been something that um, organizations had been using for walks, for runs. Um, I think Susan G. Komen does a really great job of having that. But we have really taken our, our clients into making sure that this doesn't need to be just um, focused on an event. You could do peer-to-peer fundraising for your end-of-year giving or your spring campaign or your fall campaign. Um, and we've had quite a bit of success doing that. So in peer-to-peer, are we, are we like talking about networking uh, so that like we teach people to ask their friends, you know, is that what we're, is that a part of it or is that really what P2P is? So peer-to-peer is the idea of, and, and, and I'll just, I'll just give you an example of what we typically do for our clients. Um, we will put together, you know, an overarching campaign theme of what the, what the organization is trying to um, share with their audience, whether it's something that's focused on a specific program or a specific initiative that's coming up, and we'll build out language around it. So uh, making sure that there is a clear campaign like hook and what are we trying to raise money for, and then we'll put together um, some templates, some email templates for the organization to send out to their overarching email uh, base. But then we also have it where they'll recruit fundraisers, where the fundraisers are just taking the email templates and just copying and pasting them and sending them to their um, their network. And so it really is something where we want to take away um, the the need to recreate the wheel uh, for these for these fundraisers and take away a little bit of the anxiety of asking somebody for money. And we just say, hey, use this template, copy and paste it, and you'll be surprised on what people will give. So uh, you're you're basically taking people who really care about your organization uh, in one way or another, they could work there. They could, uh, uh, they could have, they could have donated money there already. Um, uh, They're passionate about, well, let's just say they, they, let's say they're passionate about the, what you're doing. And you're, you're basically in a simple way trying to teach them how to fundraise. Yeah, we're giving them the tools to fundraise on behalf of the organization, and they have the they have the overall structure of the organization, and they have a specific website that they're that they're actually sending people to, and then they have their personal fundraising page. And so, the re- the reason why I love peer to peer fundraising is because I am a big believer that people give to people. There are so many incredible organizations out there with worthwhile missions. And a lot of people and tend to get overwhelmed by all of these different uh, organizations that are reaching out to them on, you know, the Giving Tuesdays or throughout the duration of the year. And so, what we've seen is when 
Susie tells her friends that she cares about an organization and says, hey, can you give to this organization that's near and dear to my heart? People are going to have a higher propensity to give if they have somebody in their network that actually supports this organization than just hearing about an organization blind. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it happen even with uh, uh, with me. I, I have a close friend who really believes in this one nonprofit. And every year I give money to, to that nonprofit because of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, that happens often because like, you know, and then he'll give something to my nonprofits that I'm interested in because he knows I'm interested in it. But what's really good about that, I think from a, 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 a fundraising standpoint, a strategy, fundraising strategy standpoint is, you know, once you get somebody who gives money, you then are able to cultivate them through other means, right? So maybe it starts off at a thousand dollar donation and then that uh, turns into uh, you know, a $5,000 donation yep. because that person begins to say, Hey, you know, like, and I've been giving to his organizations for 10 years now. So, you know, now I'm starting to see like, and before I would just kind of give the money and not really pay attention to it. But then, you know, something happened with me where I started saying, you know what, let me look a little bit closer and uh, at that organization and, um, you know, I went to a virtual event to just learn a little bit more. And I was really impressed with the results of what they were doing. And so I upped my money, you know, to them. So I agree with you, you know, and I think it's, I don't think nonprofits do a great job in this area. Would you, you, would you agree? So, so you had several great points. So I want to, I want to go through each one uh, real quickly. So first and foremost, I absolutely agree that it is a perfect opportunity to cultivate these new donors because the way that I look at it is at the end of the day, a lot of people that are donating to a peer-to-peer campaign are exclusively donating because somebody in their network said that they support this organization. So you're just getting them to enter that donation pool after they've already given a donation. And then what are you going to do from there? You want to cultivate them. And so one of the biggest things that we suggest to a lot of the uh, organizations that do peer-to-peer campaigns is having a plan of what you're going to do after you've acquired these new donors. How are you going to keep them involved? So one of the best suggestions that we often say is building out a welcome series for these uh, new individuals that have just given to um, your organization. And, And what you're hoping to do is give them an opportunity to learn about the organization at their leisure. And so what we put together is typically like a six week uh, email welcome series where they're learning about the organization, learning about the impact that's been uh, made over the years, learning about where the, where the funds actually go to giving some stories of uh, some of the staff members or stories of impact that people have gone through the organization. And by doing that, You've now moved these these individuals who are just giving a donation based off of their their friends and family to now somebody that is actually learning about your mission and and personally getting invested in the mission. And so what we always like to tell people is as you are sending out these welcome series, really pay attention to the analytics. Are they opening these emails? Are they are they clicking on these emails? Find out what type of uh, what type of engagement they've had because just from that alone, you can see, is this somebody that potentially is just going to be an annual donor? Is this somebody that could actually grow to a monthly donor? 
Or even more so, could this person actually become a board member? If you're seeing somebody is continuously engaging with all of the the different um, correspondence that you're sending out to them, it's really worthwhile to 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 have that personal touch. And maybe your executive director can start really building that relationship and seeing if you can grow um, that donor into somebody that could be a, a major gift donor moving forward. So that's one piece of what I was. Mm-hmm. And then, and then um, the other area of what that what you were talking about is, are nonprofits doing a great job of peer to peer fundraising? I will say to you, there is a lot of misconceptions about peer to peer fundraising because um, most organizations just believe that you can just set up a campaign and then donations will come. And I do believe that um, peer to peer fundraising can be somewhat formulaic if you get. X amount of fundraisers to raise X amount of dollars each for your organization, you can feel pretty good about what you're what you're going to estimate the amount of donations that are going to come in. But the key to success here is A, recruitment. Recruitment is one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle, right? If you you could have the greatest campaign theme and the greatest cause, but if you don't have people that are that are going to be the ambassadors that are really going to be amplifying your message you're not going to have success on this campaign. And so we always say to, to our, our nonprofit organizations that they should take the time of actually recruiting and giving people a very clear understanding of what you will be expecting of them. Um, and for us, what we often say to them is just telling your fundraisers that you only need to spend you know 10 to 15 minutes a week of just getting these emails in place, copying and pasting them, and then just sending them out to your community and giving their having a nice rhythm where you're giving people updates. This is where I'm at and hitting my fundraising goal. Oh, we only have two weeks left. We have one week left. Okay, the the campaign is ending next uh, tomorrow. So giving the 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 fundraisers the tools that they need to be successful is a big piece of the a big piece of the puzzle. And so what we always say is, as long as you've recruited and you've built a, a strong campaign theme. We say you should give yourself about a month or two months of lead time before a campaign actually takes place. And so what ends up happening is a lot of people are either not real, they're recruiting at the same time as the campaign is going on, or they haven't provided strong enough templates, or they haven't had a cohesive messaging plan. And it seems like they're course correcting as the campaign is taking place. And they end up not getting the level of results that they were hoping that they would receive. So I, I think the biggest thing that I would say is I think a lot of nonprofits are doing this well, but I think a lot of nonprofit organizations aren't taking the time and doing the due diligence that they need before the campaign actually takes place. And after they have an unsuccessful campaign, they end up chalking it up and saying, you know what, peer-to-peer fundraising isn't for me. Uh, we see that all the time where somebody's like, we've done it before, but we had we had poor results, so we don't really want to do this again. And then we work with them and just say, take the time, build the structure, recruit, and then you'll see the success actually take place. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I, want, to run, I want to run this scenario by you because I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. This, this happens a lot and I see in business. So um, – you, if you're running a uh, a fundraising campaign, let's say it's a P2P, right? You can say in that fundraising, and this isn't really my question, but you can say in that that um, you know 
25% of the money that's raised up to this amount or 50% of the money that's raised up to $20,000 will first be used to pay um, uh, for the administrative costs of the P2P campaign. And then when the money is raised, uh, the campaign to pay corporate giving connections would, you would be paid your consulting gig, for, you know, fee. And then you could also go back to corporate giving connections can go back to their client, their, your client and say, if this fundraising campaign doesn't work, you do not have to pay us. So, because, yeah. it, it, because you, you know, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is people often are, uh, you know, they, they, they don't always bring in a consultant because they don't have the money. But if you said to them, if you do this and this, this is going to work. If it doesn't work, we're going to give you your money back. And therefore, people are going to do it. It's like a win-win situation for everybody. Now, I know there's some issues there, of course. Mm -hmm. The one would have been is, well, how big is your network, mm -hmm. right? Can mm -hmm. you get this out? Is it going to be executed well? I think the execution one can kind of be uh, handled well. Mm -hmm. You know, you can watch over. Corporate giving connections can watch over the execution to make sure it's done really, really well. And I guess you can also ask for them to give you an idea of the base of people that they have that they're going to send it out to. Right. But um, I, I know it's off the beaten track of what I said to you, but I uh, mean, what we're talking about. Um, but what do you, I mean, what do you think about that idea? So, so I think more than anything, when we're speaking with our, with our clients, one of the biggest things that we say to them from the beginning is recruitment is 100% their responsibility because, you know, at the end of the day, they know their audience better than we do. Um, and it, it actually is just one of those things where if the ED or the development director is reaching out to their community, they're going to be more inclined to want to support um, rather than, you know, CGC reaching out and saying, hey, we want you to be, be a fundraiser. Right, right, right. So, so as I was saying a little bit earlier, a peer-to-peer -peer campaign is 100% going to be dependent on who actually is driving the peer-to-peer -peer campaign, right? The, the fundraisers. And so we have seen, we have seen organizations that we've worked with where they will say to us, we think we can re recruit 50 people and then they have five right oh. and so at the end of the day there becomes quite a gap on what they think that they're going to be able to fundraise um because like i said before we're using we're using the metrics of saying hey you have 50 fundraisers this is how much uh they have to fundraise each to hit this overarching fundraising goal and so for us, we let the organization build out what they want their fundraising goal to be, and then we'll we'll counsel them on that. Um, but for us, we actually have a very affordable fee. So we, our basic option is twenty five hundred dollars, um, and that's just us to build out the templates, build out the messaging, um, and really help build the collateral. 
And then the $3,500 option is more of our premium package where we're doing everything is customized. The, the basic, there's there's a couple templated items in there, uh, but in the premium, everything is, is customized and we add a direct mail letter. We do additional collateral as well. So it's like really, it's a kind of, it doesn't really cost that much. No, no, it doesn't really cost a yeah. lot. So, so to just give you an idea, I would say we've probably done you know 25 to 30 peer-to-peer campaigns and we've never raised less than ten thousand dollars to yeah. get an idea. So, yeah, yeah. so, so, as long as people are at least giving us something to work with from a fundraiser perspective, we feel incredibly confident on our ability to hit our fundraising goals. Um, but it really just comes down to making sure that the organization is aligned with and has a very clear understanding of how many people are actually going to be um, serving as fundraisers for this, because they are the key. You are really trying to tap into their network and you're trying to make sure that you can um, expand and amplify your message to as many different people as possible. And you can only do that uh, through these fundraisers. So let, let's use that example. And I know it was, an, it, you know, just a, uh, just a, not a live example, but you know, this, that one organization that you mentioned, or, you know, that said they had 50 and they came back, they really had five, mm-hmm. right? So what is there a name that you give to like those five type of people? Are they super networkers? Is there, a, what What would you call those type of people that are? Fundraisers, they're the fundraisers. Fun, fundraisers. Yeah. So those fundraisers, what, what, um, what makes the characteristic, characteristics of somebody who's a good person? outside fundraiser? No, so you're, th- that's a great question. So, so all too often, a lot of the organizations that we work with instantly think I should have my board member do this. I'm going to have my board member serve as a fundraiser for a peer-to-peer campaign. And not all board members are created equally. Some board members are more inclined to just want to write a check and they don't particularly want to ask um, their network for money. Others love to pound the pavement and really make sure that they're reaching out to their network and they're they're willing to be shameless with the amount of times that they reach out to their network, which is an incredible quality of, of a fundraiser. So what we say is you should have a mix of different type of fundraisers. Yes, a board member could potentially, you can give them the option of saying you either A, are going to actually be a fundraiser or B, you could be somebody that could be part of a match. So you could have a few board members that, um, you know, put a pool of money together and, and, and say, hey, we're willing to match up to $10,000 from our board um, on all dollars that we're, we're able to raise for this campaign. So I like to give my board members the option of being one or the other, um, because that, that at least ensures that you're going to get money from them, whether it's a give or a get. And then the other groups of people that I think um, can be great fundraisers or, you know, first and foremost, anybody that it, it knows your mission and has been impacted by your mission already, um, whether they are a, a friend or family member of somebody that's already involved in your programs, or if you have somebody that's been an alumni of your programs or currently in your programs, they are going to be incredibly compelling on getting your message out to out to their network because they already know the mission and they have actually felt the mission impact their lives. So I think that's one really good crop of fundraisers. Another great crop of fundraisers, 
is a volunteer, right? They're already used to the idea of volunteering their time um, to help out the organization. And they understand that they're not going to get anything out of this. They're just doing this out of the kindness of their heart. I love a volunteer because they are, they, they're going to be driven and they don't have to have some, some deep pocketed network. They just have to get the messaging out. That is, that is the, the hardest part is getting somebody to, to write, you know, three emails, copy and paste three emails to their network. As long as they do that, funds are going to come in. I can promise you that. But it's getting them to actually follow through on that is one of the more difficult pieces. And then if you've ever had anybody that's a committee member for an event um, or like an auction, they know what it takes to start um, a a campaign and and complete a campaign. And I like that. They've had a track record of being accountable. Um, And then one final group that I like is anybody that's been an annual or a monthly donor um, that's used to giving on a regular basis, um, I, it can be a great fundraiser for you as well. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I'll have to say this here too, and I just like just to bring it out, and that is, I think it's it really, really important for every nonprofit to understand that um, you can't overload the amount of communications that you're sending out to. Right. Like, like I'll give you an example with these podcasts that I do. Now, certainly they go all up to the podcasting apps, you know, which is good. Um, but I only send, uh, I only send them out once every uh, six weeks, four weeks to six weeks to people who, um, you know, kind of are in the, you know, would be interested in it, let's say. Right. Because I feel like we, you know, sometimes we'll do five, six of these a month. And I think that if a client uh, or somebody got one every single week, they would then uh, block me. And I think, you know, so I just want to state that that's really important. I mean, is that something that you agree with? Absolutely. So I, I, I think it's no nonprofit email list is created the same. Right, we've had different organizations that like to send out, and, and if we're just talking about a peer-to-peer campaign, where their rhythm is they're sending an email out once every three weeks for a campaign. Um, but we've had others that you know they'll 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 have you know once a week, and then on that final week of a campaign, they'll do three emails in that week. So it really is something where I would I I would never want to make the assumption. I think it's Pay attention to your analytics. How are people responding? Are your open rates just plummeting? Are your click rates plummeting? If this is something where people are actively engaging, then keep keep reaching out. Um, because if you have something that's meaningful and you're and you're actually giving them new content on each one of your emails, I think it's I think it's important to do so. But also just pay attention to your audience. If they if they're not engaging, then yeah, take a step back. And, and, and make sure that you're, you're only choosing when you think it's going to be um, something that's going to be relevant content that they're going to be excited about, but also making sure that um, you're giving a little bit of a, um, uh, a moratorium in between these different uh, uh, emails going out. Yeah, and I, th- I think when it comes to fundraising too, I mean, I think we all know that, that you tend, will tend to send out more 
communication during a fundraising campaign than you do the rest of the season, right? Like I know, of course, that, you know, you're always fundraising, but when you're having a campaign, there's an, you know, maybe an, uh, an end date. And, you know, so maybe you will up the amount of communication going up during that time. And I think people understand that as well. Um, the, what makes a good communication, uh, you know, template, what makes a good one? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. So what I would definitely say, if you're, if you're building out email templates, cause that is a big thing that CGC believes in for all of our clients, whether it's for um, a peer-to-peer campaign or for an email introduction. We think it's important to build out a template that is short, right? I think that's one of the biggest things that I think I see in the nonprofit space is everybody wants to make these emails be incredibly verbose, where they're trying to talk about the impact that the organization is making, why why it's relevant that you're even making this introduction. But really, a lot of people just want to get right to the point. And so what we try to make sure of, of all of our emails is they never exceed you know four to five sentences. Um, so we want to do something where, especially for a campaign, we're doing something to uh, introduce the campaign, introduce what the, what the campaign is actually going to um, – uh, impact and what type of impact it's going to make. We're talking about why you care about the organization and then what is your fundraising goal and then giving your fundraising page link. It's that simple. And so when you're doing the follow-up a- after that, you'll then do another email where you're reminding them about the campaign um, and then telling them this is where you're at in, in, in progress to actually hitting your fundraising goal. Give them the campaign link. And then that final email is really just getting to the point of saying, Hey, whether you're you're announcing that you have a match and you need to make sure that somebody is um, able to donate in time so that you can unlock that match, or telling them that the campaign is coming to an end, Um, but you're saying this is where I'm at uh, in in hitting my fundraising goal. I have X amount of dollars left to hit this goal. Please uh, please donate today to this fundraising page, and it's that simple. So as you can tell, there it's quick, it's easy, it's to the point. If you have to scroll at all. People aren't going to read it, and you have to use yourself as a as a barometer. Sometimes we all get uh, emails from different nonprofit organizations. If we're having to scroll through, we're probably not going to read it. So you should you should be training yourself and training your fundraisers to 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 feel the exact same way. Get to the point, make it easy. Let them know what you're asking them to do, and 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 make it easy for them to get to that fundraising page. Um. Do you think that the rest, like, would you actually say during the fundraising campaign, that's not exactly the best time to educate your uh, prospects in depth about your organization? That really, that the, the fundraising campaign should be the culmination of a year's worth of work or nine months worth of work of educating your base about your organization. Is that, I mean, I'm, I don't really know. I'm just thinking out of, outside the box or, you know, what I would do. What does that make sense to you? So what I would say is if you're talking about for a peer to peer campaign, the belief is that anybody that's doing the fundraising on your behalf right now um, are 
individuals that are, are familiar with your organization. So there doesn't need to be that education. They, they understand what your organization is about, um, and they really are just um, serving as ambassadors of amplifying your message. Um, and, and what I look at the correspondence with your, your greater, um, you know, email list, I think it is something where you're just letting them know of the impact that you've made over the year, um, sharing impact stories. But yeah, I don't think it's really focused on education. The education to me is more focused on, you know, putting together a welcome series for these new donors and people that are not familiar with your network. Um, so I think that's really where, where, where that's the opportunity to use that education piece. Do you ever use in the template itself, um, a little, a little more personalization where you're, you're inside of that template, you're dropping in the name of the person that is making the donation or, or are you really assuming that because they're sending it out themselves, um, through their email that it's the, the people know, you know, like, so like, for example, let's say is, um, you know, hi, you know, I, I guess you would, you wouldn't need to do that because it's coming from the person themselves. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. What I would say, I've seen it both ways. I mean, I think it just goes down to how much time somebody wants to spend, right? Like we see all the time that people will rate, reach out to their network and they'll just BCC and send it to 50 people, right? And just say, hey guys, this is an organization that we really care about. We want you to make a donation. We've also seen people do the personalized emails. I I think if you're okay with spending that additional time to make it personal, absolutely. We, we always tell our fundraisers that we think it's important for them to personalize wherever they can and really share your personal story. But we also want to be mindful of what is their bandwidth? What is their time commitments right now? And we don't want to ask them to bite off more than they can chew. So we give them options to be as templated as they want. And what I will honestly say to you is people would be surprised, but people are going to make donations even if it is templated, right? You've already reached out to them. They know you care about this organization. They just needed to be asked. And once they've been asked by you, they're going to ask. So it really just kind of come, comes down to what is, a per, what is your personal preference and how, do you have a compelling story that you even want to share? If you don't have a compelling story, then it might, might not be worthwhile to, to personalize this. So I, I, I would say it really is at the fundraiser's discretion. So we have a couple of minutes left, and I want to ask you about the best, um, the best case real-life example that you ever did in P to, uh, P to P. Mm -hmm. uh, so t tell us about it, please. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we have, we have a, a few we like to share, but one in particular that I, that I always love to talk about, um, especially since you're based in New Jersey, I thought I would, I would talk about that, this particular one. So um, in September, 2020, we were working with a nonprofit uh, based in the New Jersey area uh, called Center for Food Action. And they're this incredible organization that um, focuses on providing, um, you know, food and, and, and opportunities to nourish the, um, the homeless communities of New Jersey. And they had this annual event that they would do that was this snack packing event that would take place on September 11th every year. 
um, and they loved doing this where they would um, pack over 10,000 um, snack uh, bags for the community. And obviously in September 2020, nobody was doing in-person events. Um, and so they reached out to us of trying to find an alternative um, and saying, hey, we're still going to pack these snacks, but it's only going to be staff members that work on this. And we're not going to uh, have the opportunity for volunteers um, or sponsors or, or even um, people to pay to, to participate in this event. And so we told them, hey, this is an, a, a perfect opportunity for peer-to-peer fundraising. And we would love to support you guys. They had explained to us in the past they would they had raised you know twenty five to thirty thousand um, dollars each year for this event, um, and so we said to them, what we would like for you to do is recruit fundraisers to really drive this peer to peer campaign. I think they only got about nine or ten fundraisers, um, and so we were we were thinking you know we don't know how 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 impactful this is going to be with the nine or ten fundraisers. But a beautiful thing happened. Uh, a woman that was always serving as a sponsor for this event, um, we were able to get her to actually turn out and be a fundraiser for this event instead. And so we said, hey, you know, I, I know every year you give about $2,500 for uh, this event. We would love for you to give the $2,500 again. But this time we would love for you to also send these uh, emails out to your community. They would have never known it with this woman, but she was a rock star fundraiser. She just sent three emails out and she ended up raising $16,000. And that alone was what completely shifted what they had done in the past. They typically would raise about $25,000. They ended up raising $45,000 on this event. Um, and they were, they were, they would have never known that this woman had this capability if they hadn't given her the opportunity to do so. And I think they were able to acquire, you know, over 150 new donors from this campaign. Um, and they were able to build that relationship with those donors that probably they wouldn't have had that relationship before. They probably would have just had um, the individuals who had supported them year over year attending uh, this event, but this time they were able to acquire new donors just through peer-to-peer. Yeah, I think uh, I've seen it so many times, like uh, any nonprofits that I'm involved with personally, <clears throat> you know, they'll maybe ask me to do something like, you know, like that. And then, and they'll do it like not as formalized as what you're talking about. And all of a sudden they'll get <laughs> a lot of donations and they're like, oh my God, that, you know, they just don't know. Mm-hmm you don't know who's going to be the influencer. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. And yeah. so, you know, it's just, it makes a lot of sense. And then by the way, and then what you do is you kind of talk to that person every single year for more, for them to do that going further, further, yeah. because they're probably only getting a small portion of the, their, uh, their network. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been really fortunate. I'm our, our peer to peer campaigns have, have, raise up to $200,000 on these type of campaigns. So it is something where you just never know who are going to be the rock star fundraisers, the rock star organizations. But what I can say to you is as long as the people know your organization are familiar with, with your programs and they already understand the impact that you're making in the community, you, as long as you give them the templates and you can get them to actually send them out to their community, you're going to have success. It, it really it really isn't uh, if, 
it's it as long as you get those people, they will get you donations. You just have to make sure that they have the tools that they need to be successful. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna be. Uh, I tell you, I think I have a recommendation. I think you gotta. I think you need to put a name on those type of people. Like you use the word rock star fundraisers, but I don't know if that's the right one. But you know, like I can imagine if you sent out asking people to be quote, you know, could you be a not rock star fundraiser for us, but an influencer fundraiser or something like that. I think that that person, I mean, maybe you've done that before in the past. I think there needs to be a name for that type of person. Absolutely. No, we'll, we'll definitely think of some. Yeah. Well, it's not <laughs> uh, a lot of suggestions today. <laughs> well, listen, it was really interesting. I learned a lot. It makes a lot of sense to me. I think kind of, it's a no brainer to be honest with you um, to kind of go with this P2P and to use your templates. It just saves a lot of time. And, you know, I really like the idea, too, about the five sentences, um, or, you know, in that area. I know, you know, it's one of my favorite books of all time is and, and also a movie, but is A River Runs Through It. And um, the, it's a true story. But, you know, in it, the, the, the main character's father is a Presbyterian minister and he makes his sons uh, when they're young rewrite their stories and rewrite their stories that they're doing for school over and over and over and over again. And he keeps saying half as much, half as much, mm -hmm. half as much. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the idea was his father believed that, um, uh, being to the point is, um, uh, it can, is an incredible, powerful thing. You keep people's attention much longer. And, uh, and it's interesting when you read the book, a river runs through it, it's it's only like 60 pages long. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a you know, so it the guy who wrote it Norm McLean was a he 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 was a professor at University of Chicago and it's about his life story and uh but he 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 lived it, you know, and it's it's a very poetic book. Uh it's just amazing. So so um it's good stuff. I would uh so very much like to thank you Chris uh uh, Chris Hammond from Corporate Giving Connection for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. The Nonprofit MBA podcast has become extremely popular. We have thousands and thousands of listeners, and I'm very proud of that. And if you're looking for a line of credit, of course, for your nonprofit, you can call us at 86 2-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Chris, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, please uh, visit our website, cgcgiving.com. Uh, so once again, that's cgcgiving.com. And then you can also reach me via email at chris at cgcgiving.com. I would love to speak with you guys about any of your marketing or fundraising needs um, and really making sure that we can talk to you about uh, our ability to advise, strategize, and execute any of, the, uh, any of the challenges that your organization is facing. Yeah, good job, Chris, today. I really learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Stephen. I, I had a lot of fun.
Yeah, good. So I want to say to all our listeners out there that I want to thank you all for um, doing what you're doing. Um, the world needs a the, the world needs to be a better place. And every single day, you guys are out there doing all the hard work. And you know, Chris and I are trying to do our part too in our own way, not through this, but through hopefully our own personal lives, mm-hmm. the way we act, what we give to. Um, you know, I, I'm continuing to try to be a better person to make the world a better place. Certainly is a rough time right now. It's been that way for a couple of years, and we need to set a better example for our young younger generation, don't we, Chris? Absolutely, Stephen. I yeah. agree. It all starts with yourself. Yeah. So I want to thank you all. You guys are doing the hard work. Make sure that you do take time aside for yourself. Take care of yourself. It's a new year. And uh, we want you to be happy and healthy. Everybody, have a fantastic day. 